Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Angular Air. Uh, I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberg. Uh, today's show, we've got, we're going to talk about the Angular Up Conference. Uh, our panelists for today, we've got Austin McDaniel with us. Austin, how's it going? How's everybody doing? Good. And then we got uh, two organizers of the Angular Up Conference. We've got Adam. Adam, how are you doing? I'm fine. This is me. Sorry for the low tech. And we've got uh, Boris joining us. Boris, how are you doing? Hi, guys. Nice to meet you all. All right. So um, let's talk about Angular Up, uh, the conference. Um, give us the details on, on this conference. Wow. Uh, so the conference is happening in two days, the 17th, here in uh, Tel Aviv. It's going to be happening at the Dan Panorama Hotel. Um, yeah, I've been talking about it so much, I don't know where to start now. So, so it's an yeah, all-day conference, single-day conference? Yeah, it's going to be a single day. We have two parallel tracks running, uh, lots of speakers coming, and people from the States, from Europe, um, Israeli speakers, of course. And it's going to be a proper international conference. So we have people coming from all over the globe to participate, to listen. And everything, is, of course, going to be in English. And, hopefully a lot of extra fun stuff beyond the conference itself. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I didn't really think about that. The fact of a conference in another country outside of where we're at, um, if it's going to be in English or not. Yeah, so, okay. Um, and so you're, are you going to be recording the sessions and stuff for people that are not attending? Yeah, of course. So we plan to record everything, and hopefully we'll also have a live streaming going if Technical problems don't stop us for this moment. Um, and hopefully about a week afterwards, you'll be able to see all the lectures. Fingers crossed, you know, technical issues, the bane of all conferences. And right. um, how, many, uh, how many attendees you got going there? Um, so far, it looks to be about 550 people coming to the conference. 600. 600. Well, yeah. Well, we have over 600 tickets sold. Uh, going to be a bit packed. We're actually weeks ago, and we have, we're just selling like a few late bird tickets. So we, we really didn't expect uh, this much of responsiveness. Our number one lesson is to take a bigger venue for the next year uh, because we we all also had dozens of people from outside of Israel, and we didn't even do promotion outside of Israel, so we just didn't expect this much of a responsiveness from the community. We even have uh, two people, uh, four people from Palestine in peace through Angular. <laughs> nice, nice, very nice. Peace is good. Uh, what uh, what's the site for it? Where can people find out information on the? The website URL? The URL of the, um, of the conference? It's uh, angular-app.com. I don't have it on my sign. And you, you said there's still a <laughs> sign, right? Uh, you said there's still some tickets available? No, it's completely sold out. It's completely sold out. Okay. Cool. So we're basically 
we're not promoting anything now. We're just talking about how amazing it was to organize it, and hopefully next year people can join in earlier. Right. Cool. So, um, <clears throat> so it's two tracks. Is that correct? There's a. I'm assuming you have like a, a keynote and then multi-track, two tracks running, uh, sort of thing throughout the day. Right. So we have um, uh, opening words and then this uh, talk from uh, Pavel Kozlovsky, who's an Angular contributor. And he's talking more about how it is to be an Angular con contributor and uh, stuff to get people a bit of sneak peek into the Angular uh, core team and development process. And then they split to two tracks and we have awesome speakers uh, from everywhere in the world. We have eight speakers from abroad and about uh, 13, I think, from Israel. And then we'll have uh, actually a really cool thing. Uh, we're going to have an Ar Angular quiz. You can participate in the quiz and we're giving a first prize is a Sony PlayStation. Oh, sweet. Sweet. So it's kind of like a little game show type of deal going on? Yeah, yeah. Trying to keep people, uh, you know, alive and uh, after awake. hours of, yeah, awake <laughs> after six hours of <laughs> lunch. <laughs> doing that quiz at the end of the, the conference? We're doing it uh, after uh, the talks. We have the quiz and then we have lightning talks. So you know, five-minute talks, and then there's a Q&A panel. Cool. So uh, what type of topics are you guys going to be covering at the conference? We have uh, a lot about the ecosystem of Angular. It's, it's all Angular 2, even though people still write in Angular 1, but they want to hear about, you know, the future, the present, actually. So uh, about Angular core topics like change detection, how the compiler works, uh, server-side rendering, web workers. And we have also a lot of talks about the ecosystem. So Angular CLI, RxJS, TypeScript, Ionic, NativeScript, um, Redux, Mobix, NGRX. I'm basically reading the whole schedule now. <laughs> All, all the good stuff, all the stuff people want to want to hear about, need to learn about. Very yes, cool. and it's the first international conference in Israel, so it's a really good opportunity for the Israeli community to hear talks. You know, we don't have a, a conference uh, every other weekend here, like in Europe. So it's a great opportunity for everyone. Very cool. Very cool. What um. Talking about that community there, um, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, what you guys got going on there uh, in terms of Angular, uh, what that's like, stuff like that? Boris, you uh, want to take this one? Yeah, yeah, of course. So that's, that's a topic I really like. Uh, I, think, so that, I think there's something really strange happening in this community. People here really, really like to go to meetups and come to talks. And we kind of had this surprise a few times when we would meet people from Europe and they would tell us they organized a great meetup and 60, 70, 80 people will show up. And 
back here, some, we have meetups that reach 300, 400 people. People just come and listen after work. Um, I'm not even sure why, because you know they still have to drive and park and find place and sit there until 9 p.m. Uh, but the community here is huge. So we also run the Angular.js.il uh, meetup group, which is the Israeli Angular meetup. It has almost 4,000 people. And a lot of the people that I participate, so they come to meetups, not just a uh, silent crowd. And whatever, everything we're doing in Contrast is based on pretty much on that big community. And this is, this is not really the first kind of, yeah. How, how often do you guys meet to do that for the Angular JSIL? Uh, it's, it's actually picking up a lot of speed. So when we started, it used to be about once a month. And now there's a lot of kind of side meetups happening. So there's the major week monthly meetup where two or three speakers come and the largest crowd covers, but there's also lots of kind of satellite mini events, uh, workshops, uh, coding sessions, uh, surprise guests. And it's just lots of weird, lots of kind of weirdo stuff. So uh, one of the guys... Surprise guest. Uh, yeah. It's one day surprise. Actually, the reason that Neil is the other co-organizer of the conference is not here today is because he's at the meetup. We had a kind of a surprise workshop today um, with uh, Sebastian from Telerik and uh, doing a native script meetup. As, as we're speaking, people are learning native script somewhere there in, uh, I think it's uh, Google of no, my Playbuzz offices here in Tel and there's a lot of kind of, I'd say, weirdo stuff happening that I didn't expect maybe a year or two ago. So um, Neil Kaufman, who is the, who's leading the AngularJS effort at our company, is doing kind of weirdo stuff. So we had NG Picnic. It was about, I think, a year and a half ago. Uh, he's doing an NG band now, just collecting great front-end developers and opening up a band to think about Angular. And, you know, just kind of <laughs> trying to have stuff, have fun and do an orthodox meetups and, and not just not just talks just. do you guys have a lot of um, meetups where people come and actually are hacking on stuff doing code uh, bringing their own machines that sort of thing or is it more focused on the talks and, and discussion so it's everything so some of the meetups are really well just you know you come in to listen for about 40 minutes to someone speak about new technology uh, but some of them are just fully blown workshops. So we find companies that are willing to host that have proper tables and product setup, uh, limited to 50, 60 people, and people just come and write code, uh, learn native script, Angular 2, I don't know, new router, and just really sit down and code with the instructor going around helping them and volunteers from the community coming to help. It's really about the beer. <laughs> the pizza. The, the beer and pizza. pizza right. <laughs> you mentioned native script the pickle, a couple you know? times. You mentioned native script a couple times. Um, uh, are you? Do you guys? Are you guys doing a lot of that out there um, at your meetups and stuff like that? Hi, Austin. How are you? You're doing so quiet. <laughs> It's a relatively new thing uh, in Israel, so I think I, I don't think anyone is doing that uh, so much. 
Um, but I heard of a few companies that have been trying. So actually, even Angular 2 is just starting really to take, um, uh, to accelerate in Israel. So companies are now, I think they're more hesitative than other places. So they waited for the release and now they're starting to do POCs and uh, uh, starting to migrate their apps to Angular 2. Are there a lot of companies over there doing Angular? Again? Are there a lot of companies over there doing Angular? Angular is crazy in Israel. If you look at uh, on Google Trends and uh, just compare Angular with other stuff in the world and in Israel, you will see that in Israel it's like the only thing they know is Angular. Now it's now it has changed a bit, so now there's more React. But uh, we started with Angular when it was just uh, very early, uh, our company, and we started you know with the meetup. We wanted to start spreading the word. And it turns out there were already hundreds of people doing Angular. And it was, I think, one of the technologies that uh, just uh, succeeded uh, the most in Israel. I wonder how that took off. Like, was somebody championing, championing in that? Um, was there a, a big company or, or you know, a, certain speakers or something that just everybody kind of latched on and was like, okay, that's where we need to be. Or did it just kind of grow organically from everybody just interest in the community meetup, stuff like that? Really try to, uh, to spread the world and, and give people a place to share ideas and hear more. And uh, you could see that in the beginning, there were hundreds and thousands of developers and they had no idea what they were doing. I think there was just a big gap, you know, before Angular. People were trying to do Backbone and stuff like that, and there was just a huge, a huge gap. And there was Angular versus Ember at the time. Um, so there wasn't, like, one um, one big advocate of Angular. I think it just spread around between companies. I have a feeling, though, it's really hard to know in retrospect. Some of the companies that know that got into Angular really early on, they had, I want to say, a champion from within, someone who really loved it and discovered it for some reason, and started pushing it from the bottom up. So you'd have teams, large companies doing small Angular projects on the side, kind of, you know, maybe under the radar, and slowly growing from there, and more people discovering how amazing technology is and joining about. And so when we started the meetups and people started coming in, we would meet people from insurance companies, banks, the less places you would ever expect someone to take a technology that's so, you know, so new. And so, well, it's not that new, but relatively new and relatively unproven. And they were already writing things and big things, big complicated projects. And so my only guess is really, really passionate champions coming from within. I can't explain it in any other way. <laughs> just yeah. just happened. A- Angular found a way, right? <laughs> cool. Um, so, uh, so the Angular Up, I mean, that's like the major conference you guys got going on over there. Are there other plans for other ones coming up? I mean, is it, is it going to become more of a hotbed for 
other conferences around Angular? So it's not really the first conference we ever had here. Um, we can say it slowly progressed something. About three years ago, a few guys, prominent members of the community, um, built the whole first ng-conf. And it's not the ng-conf you know from the state, it was an ng-conf here in Israel. So they kind of borrowed the name and created a really small conference or a big meetup. And we joined them, I think it was last year. And last year already, instead of doing it at the Google campus, which is the usual place for meetups, it already got a place and it was a half day when event with speakers and it felt a bit more like a conference. And this year, and again, it's important to say, it's not just us organizing it, there's a whole bunch of people and a long, long list of people organizing this. Uh, some of them have been with this organization for the past, I think, two or three years. Uh, this year we had to change the name because ng-conf obviously is a, is a trademark and it's a real conf. And we really wanted to scale it up. So bring international speakers, bring sponsors, make, take an amazing venue, and make it feel like a conference and not a big meetup. And, and the response of far was amazing. So two weeks before the start, we was completely sold out and totally unexpected. I, I was planning for 350 people. So that, that was the initial figure we signed when we started organizing. And I think there is no question that next year we're going to have another conference and hopefully much bigger this time. And I really hope we can get more people from abroad. So it's, it's kind of a start. Um, you know, other things obviously is not to follow, maybe do bring speakers from abroad to do workshops here, uh, to do meetups here. Hopefully when they see there is a community and people want to hear, um, the speakers will come. You know, if you build it, Yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> and do you see it going forward as something that, like, you might progress into a multi-day thing, or maybe a uh, talks and workshops type of thing? Um, yeah, I want to say it's going to be a year-long mega event of Angular on top one day, um, but definitely. So, we still have to figure out is this our second conference or second con like this scale of a conference we ever organized. Uh, trying to figure out what works and what not. Uh, multiple days is a bit of a problem. You can think companies sending people have to consider vacation days. And, and there's a lot of logis logistical problems. Um, but I hope we can slowly grow. So definitely adding a day with workshops is something we spoke about a lot. And I think once the conference is over and we get a chance to relax a little bit, uh, we can start sitting down and you know, figuring out what happened, what was good, what was bad, and planning for next year. And we're slowly starting to reach out to other organizers and kind of getting their feeling about what worked, what not worked. Maybe kind of sharing this knowledge that so far we had to discover on ourselves. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the logistics of that, of running a conference and planning it and everything that kind of goes into it. I mean, um, you know, let's talk about finding the venue. Well, you, you mentioned that you, you do the meetups at the Google campus, but you had to find something different for this conference. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So most places what you called uh, meetups, usually the meetups are completely free, obviously. You can't charge money. Places like the Google campus and other companies, they really happy to host events. It brings developers to see their company. Um, but if you want to have an event that costs money, you have to 
find the real venue. And we don't really have companies here that can host 600 people. And so you need a, a real venue for that. And it, it was a lot of work. So basically the plus isn't huge. So we kind of limited ourselves to Tel Aviv itself, which is the center of, well, not the center, but the center of the tech world, I can say. And there are only a number of hotels here who have venues big enough to host an event like this. And it was basically meeting, going hotel to hotel, meeting them, going over the prices, understanding all the gritty, nitty details, the contracts and what will work, what won't work. Um, Sounds and like my wedding planning. Uh, I think it was easier. So from, from what I know about wedding planning, I think it was a bit easier. I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but... Pretty sure you didn't have sponsors uh, for your wedding. How do you know? Uh, That's a good course. idea. Next time. <laughs> that, that is actually a really good idea. Yeah, you can have your mother-in-law sponsor the wedding. <laughs> So, uh, you know, when you go to those hotels and stuff and you're trying to find the, that venue, I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to, in their contract, provide things like the setup of the, the area that you're going to do, the chairs, like all that organization. Like that's part of their contract that they offer. Is that correct? I mean, that's how we have it here in the States with a lot of the hotels here. Uh, it's really different between hotels. So some, let's say between venues, some venues are inside hotels. Some of them are commercial venues for hire. And some come as a, as a warehouse. You just get a place and you have to use contractors for everything, which makes logistics a lot more complicated. And it really depends on the hotel. And of course, lots of hotels and venues have special agreements with vendors and you have to use their vendors and then vendors limit you by their choices. And it's, it's basically legwork. So it was, it's a lot of level to, to understand the limitation of which and how much time you'll have to spend there. And, and like, I would definitely not tell anyone to try to do this alone. And the first conference we ever organized, we used the company that helped us with some of the logistics and, and really like crazy stuff that could have shut us down. Apparently you have to get an engineer to approve anything you build. Otherwise they won't open the doors. And that's not the start of it. You just know. And if those guys didn't tell us we have to hire an engineer, it would be like, open the doors. No, guys, no conference. You can't just get him on the spot. <laughs> um, what about the beer? The beer? There actually, there is actually in Israel everything you organize that concerns food. You need to get. Um, you need it to be kosher. Uh, so. We had we have one of the sponsors who's bringing a a beer tap, like from the glass. So we had to call places and get the the like the kosher diploma. I don't know how you call it, <laughs> like a certificate that it's kosher. And for the specific type of beer that they wanted, we couldn't find, so they had to change. Like that's something uh, I think only in Israel <laughs> you will uh, have. With the logistics, and so then so then like uh, okay, so I mean that's just finding the venue. I mean, there's so many things to go on, right? So what about like 
when you decided like handling tickets and, and purchase of the tickets and stuff, you went through a vendor for that. And uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely. So for the tickets, we kind of, we used Eventbrite as, I think we just knew that it was the biggest one, the most common one. Uh, now it were a bit smarter and older. We know that there's a lot of options out there. There's a lot of small startups trying to beat this big, let's say, I, I don't want to call it any names, but that want to find different solutions. Um, and we have a bit of a problem because uh, we have to tag, uh, handle a lot of tax issues, um, which is different between people in Israel and people coming from abroad. And we have to uh, work with our currency because everyone in Israel want to buy shekels. People from abroad want to use dollars, euro, whatnot. Um, so a lot of conversion and logistics stuff that you don't really think about when you start selling tickets for something small, but become a problem when it's uh, bigger. And usually the bigger companies know how to handle it properly. So you, you don't drown in invoice requests and tax return and, and whatnot. And also payment processors. So the processors that work in the States don't usually work in Israel. They might not work in Germany suddenly. And want someone who handles as much as possible. And so for this one, we chose, for these two conferences we made, we used Eventbrite. And I'm not sure if we'll use something else in the future. We'll see. And, and the guys at Eventbrite seem to be listening and improving fast. So we can see, like I'm getting emails nonstop about new features they're adding. So the platform is growing and not stagnating. And, but there's definitely room for competition. So who's listening? Give you a call, have any right? recommendation? <laughs> yes, sir. A lot of uh, conference organizers. Well, yeah. So, like, in terms of the tickets and stuff, I mean, was it through Eventbrite? Is it then like first come, first serve? As soon as you go live with um, putting those tickets up for sale, then everybody's refreshing their browser and buying them, or um, they don't have like a lottery system that you can use through there, do they? I don't know. No, it's a first come, first serve. I don't know I mean, what to it, what is that mean something by lotteries. That, so like uh, uh, other conferences will do like a, a lottery where everybody can sign up for a ticket and then they will pick people randomly that won the opportunity to buy the ticket. So there's no rush for uh, hitting refresh on your browser to be the first one in the queue to buy the ticket and then, oh, you couldn't get in or whatnot and, and you missed your opportunity. So um, they'll do like a lottery where it's, oh, you just go there at any time and then eventually they'll announce the first handful of tickets that they pick that people could buy sort of thing. To is to allow anyone who wants to buy a ticket to to be able to buy a ticket, but um, so I guess we'll try to find a larger venue next time. And I'm guessing I'm guessing that next year we, we will experience these kind of problems because this was the first time it was international and a paid conference, so we didn't get like a rush. It was just you know ongoing uh, tickets being bought, but I think. Now that people see that it gets sold out, then next year they will like refresh the browser, like you said. Right. I, I really hope so. I really hope so. That would be amazing if people complain that I the browser. So. We're also for research. Right. That's the problem you want to solve. So, did you um, have a cap on the amount of tickets that individuals could buy, or was it again the same sort of thing? Like, I mean, hey, if you want to buy twenty tickets, we're going to let you buy twenty tickets at this point because we're just trying to get them all. So we had kind of a ladder of we gave tickets. 
No, go ahead. So we had a kind of a ladder of different tickets. We have early bird tickets and regular tickets. And we try to cap each level. And I can say truly it was kind of an arbitrary number. So something that felt correct to us because we really wanted to, the ticket buying to be a linear chart. And the total number of tickets is just limited by the venue. So 600 is the top we can bring inside simply because there's no room in the, in the dining room for more people to eat. And so that's our upper limit. And we kind of just set the early bird to try to push it forward, to kind of feel, get a feeling and if people are interested, if you want to come. There was only one limitation. If you're buying an early bird ticket, you can only buy one and you buy it for yourself. So it can be a company saying, oh, cool, there's early bird, let's buy 50 and take all the early bird. And of course, some companies tried and we had a battle there, but um, that was the only limitation. Once the first early birds were sold, it's it's basically free for all, and it was limited only by date. Um, so theoretically, we could have everything been sold on the first year of tickets. I think the biggest problem in organizing the conference, especially for the first time, is the chicken and the egg. So we're trying to get sponsors and speakers and participants, and everybody's waiting or the others to, to join. So the beginning was tough, but I think once the word started spreading out, then it was much better. And I'm assuming next year we can just say, listen, we're, we're doing the same thing we did last year. It's going to be awesome. It'll be easier. Yeah. I was actually just going to ask you that in terms of the sponsors and stuff like that. Do, do they, you know, were you, were they waiting to sponsor the thing to see who you're going to have for speakers and how many people you're going to have attending and, and vice versa sort of thing. I would imagine that's, yeah, that was a challenge. Yeah, again, so because it's the first time, um, well, we actually had another conference similar to that. What about Angular? And that, that was helpful because uh, companies saw that we can organize a large international conference and they, in us. It was a bit harder because it's end of year, so they have this end of year budget. But um, people want the companies want to be seen, and they want to, you know, they want developers to get to know them and be exposed to them. So eventually, we got a, a decent amount of sponsors. I actually have to uh, go. But uh, before I go, I just want to say uh, two cool things we have in our swag bag uh, for every attendee. So one of them is this, which is uh, pictures. You just do like this and then you don't care. <laughs> and the other one is uh, we're giving away a fortune cookie and Inside the first cookie, the message is about Angular, so something like, uh, we see Angular 3 in your future, or keep calm and scope apply, and uh, error digest is already in progress, stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. All right, thanks, uh, Adam, for joining us. Um, we'll continue on. <laughs> but... Um, Adam out. <laughs> so uh, it was a nice uh, too, and uh, 
and um, treat Boris uh, nicely. Very boring. We, we will do. We'll do. Get out of the USA one day so we can meet you, you know. Yes, I, I definitely need to do that um, for sure. So picking, uh, talk about picking speakers. Uh, did you have like a, a call for proposals for that, call for papers and, and getting people submitting for that? Or did you kind of have some people in mind and you reached out to them? Uh, How did you go about doing that for this run? So we kind of, there were two, two different uh, parallel tracks to getting speakers. Uh, the first one to open is CFP for everyone. And the idea was to find maybe talented people we don't personally know and figure out if they have something interesting to say. Uh, but of course, we really wanted strong and strong speakers. They have already experience to make sure that at least you know, 70, 80% of the conference will be guaranteed to have a good value and good quality talks. And so we made a very, very long list of uh, speakers they wanted to hear. So as I told you, it's not only us, but about, I think, nine or 10 people organizing together this conference. So each one of them added as many people as they, they know from other conferences, from any talks they heard. And we just started connecting to anyone good and trying to get them to come. And we found out again that there is one big problem in Israel that no one knows about, and that's we don't use Twitter. We just don't use Twitter. And Americans use Twitter, and it's crazy. I would email someone and say, yeah, you can contact me on Twitter. I'll say, but why? I, I can contact you here on email or WhatsApp or Facebook or, I don't know, whatever you want. I, like, I don't have Twitter. So we had to open up Twitter accounts and start tweeting. So still getting it. And it's also kind of, kind of hard. So we had, uh, I think we have a bit of help because many of the people in the, that are organizing it and the Israeli communities are people who go to speak at other conferences and they've been to all the big venues and they know a lot of people. And it, we had nice sort of warm introductions instead of trying to cold calling and you know, just reaching people out of the blue. Um, so that helped a lot. I think our biggest problem was we didn't really understand the whole calendar year thing, which came to a surprise to me. A lot of uh, speakers kind of set up a schedule in the beginning of the year and decide if they want to do two, three, or four talks that year and commit to different conferences. So if you call them up at August, they'll just tell you, I'm, I'm all booked, I can't come. And so that makes things harder. And next year's conference, we're going to be starting to organize the day after we finish this one. Uh, and the same with sponsors and others. Uh, but a lot of people got excited about coming to Israel. So that was a big class. It was not just going to a conference. It was going to a conference in a faraway place, in an interesting place. And we really tried to make, to make this thing more, more interesting for them. Um, so one thing we can talk about a bit later maybe about is the trip also organizing. Uh, but generally we want to have it marketed as an experience. So you're not, you're not going to fly here in the morning, do your talk, and fly out in the evening. That's not going to happen. You're going to come here for at least a few days, get a feeling of Tel Aviv, go to the beach in the middle of November, and see a little bit of what's going on here. And personally for me, that, that was a big thing missing from other conferences. And, and so would you say that that's a... Um... <laughs> a draw for people that are not from that area or 
people at that area as well, would that be a big draw for them too, to be able to tour those places? Is that, or is that just something where all your local attendees are like, yeah, we've been there sort of thing. That's our, our backyard. Uh, I wish I could pick up a map really fast of how small Israel is. So if you live here, you've been everywhere, everywhere, literally. Uh, I can't really get you excited about the trip to Jerusalem because you've probably been there with your school and your, and your old. But for international speakers, I've, I've at least felt, you know, it's hard for me to, to tell, speak for them. Uh, we had a, like I mentioned, we had another conference two months ago and we had the same kind of tour and overall experience. And the guys said they really enjoyed it because it felt very different from a conference. So they had the time to speak, they met the audience, they mingled, but also they had something, um, something extra. Um, and really try to make the trip also show them places that are, I don't know, for me, they're exciting. Even if I live here, I remember first time going to Jerusalem, it was kind of a wow effect because, you know, all major religions are based on it. You hear the stories everywhere and you're walking in the same place that legend says Jesus walked, the same place where Muhammad walked. And it's, it's crazy. So it kind of sounds crazy to me. And the buildings there it's, are the same, that the same stuff standing for 2,000 years. You can go and see it. And I don't know. It kind of, for me, it was super excited. And a lot of the speakers said the trip was like, a, wow, like when you understand when you're standing, like, wow. No, that's and you know, I, I, would... oh. I was going to say, I know that's one of the things I really like uh, doing is when I go, you know, either speaking or just going to a conference, just attending um, is just going and seeing a lot of the sites around. I've I've been seeing a lot of new or a lot of conferences start adopting that where you can kind of, you know, go and they have a day kind of built in where you can do that type of thing. And I, I I think that's really great. I don't want to be like the the business guy that flies in, does the thing and then flies out and you were in a really cool place and you didn't get to see anything. And I think that's, that's really attractive about what, uh, you know, specifically this conference. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot of other conferences start doing. And especially uh, for people over in the States like us that, you know, our history is not, we don't have a, like all that architecture history, all that other things that go that far back. Right. Um, so the opportunity to experience that uh, is a, a definite draw too. You know, it sounds like from, the angular community that you guys have over there that is so rich and everybody enjoys doing all this stuff, talking shop, working on things, hacking on things all the time. I would imagine that it's probably pretty exciting for local people and attendees there that they get an opportunity. Yes, they've been to those places, but now they get an opportunity to hang out with people who haven't and go on that trip, the same trip they've been through their schools and stuff, but, but now do it with other fellow angular community people that, are experiencing that for the first time. So that's probably a draw for them to tour that as well. Uh, I think you're 100% right. So going there with someone, my first time in Jerusalem was when I was in school. And the next time I came back was I was 34. Uh, so it took a while. Uh, and I went there with a client from the States. And him going around and going, wow, whoa, that was 10 times more exciting than me walking around with other you know, students, and they're like, ah, oh, go home. Uh, it was super fun, and I hope we'll have quite a few Israelis coming on the tour as well. Um, I guess most of them already got this experience because 
everyone has some friend from abroad coming to visit and you always take them to Jerusalem. You always take them to the Dead Sea, you take them to all the cool, like special places and you you hear all the bow and walks and hopefully get excited. I know I got, so hopefully they also get excited from that. Nice, nice. So um, <clears throat> how about getting the, the word out? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about Twitter and, and having to get on there for the first time kind of deal or, or to promote this stuff. Like, so what other things did you do to get the word out? Uh, not only for um, the initial trying to drive sponsors and speakers to come to it, um, but then also trying to get attendees to come buy tickets. Like what was your, your strategy for that? Um, so this is a hard one. Well, I have to say all of them were the hard one, but this was one of the hard ones. Um, we can, we're going to get really lucky. So we manage pretty much the biggest AngularJS community in Israel already. So I can just reach out to 4,000 people and tell them, guys, you love coming to the meetups. We're going to have some much bigger. Come as well. So that, that was super easy. Um, we tried pretty much, I think, everything. So we ran ads in the local technology papers. We used a PPC and other uh, campaigns. Uh, we did Facebook campaigns, Facebook groups. So Facebook is very strong here in Israel and both for personal stuff and semi-personal. So we have, a, let's say, an AngularJS group on Facebook and it's active. People ask questions. Um, Twitter, not so much, as I said. Um, so the local, the local promotion was kind of, kind of easy. And again, we also run it as a company, so I didn't mention it at the beginning. Both Adam and me work at a company that's doing Angular consulting in Israel. So we meet a lot of clients and a lot of big companies are clients. So it was kind of easy for me to call them up and say, hey, HR manager, we're organizing a big conference. You guys want to be a sponsor. You guys want to bring some employees. Get these blocks of people to come over. And I think without all of that, it would have been a lot, a lot harder to just reach all those developers. So I feel we kind of cheated there. Um, uh, the international crowd was a lot, a lot harder. So for the crowd, uh, again, so I'm not a big Twitter user for now, hopefully it will change, but other members are much more active and they spoke about it in conference, they went to like meetups, they went to spoke with their friends and of course, all the speakers were invited. They also kind of said, you know, we're going to Israel and their followers checked out what's going on, who's going there and why. And we'll have to figure out what works best abroad. I don't really know yet. And I hope I'll have those answers next year. And it's a mystery to me so far. Cool. Do you, um, do you guys have uh, any meetups or, or anything planned around like near that date of the conference near Thursday? Uh, so for example, like if, if we were to come, if I was to plan a trip over there to, to attend that conference, could I make it a few more days and actually catch more Angular community stuff? Conference? Uh, we don't really plan things. We had this ad hoc meetup uh, today with uh, Sebastian uh, Vitalik. Um, he, just, he just came about I think, four or five days ago and we met him and he said, yeah, sure, I want to, uh, I can have a meetup, I can do a workshop. And I go, oh, great, let's do it. Uh, we didn't uh, really plan hopefully next year, and just because a lot of logistics and you know, you have to find a venue and you can't do it for 50 people, I think. 
Um, but I definitely think it's a great idea because especially if you're coming from the States or I don't know, whatever, and you had a long flight and you're not going to come here for two or three days. You want to stay a week and you might want to have some traveling time, some vacation time, but also one day of a conference might not be enough. So next year definitely we'll add more uh, professional material to the to this week. I would love to hear what you would say. Like, what would bring you to Israel? Yeah, so um, I, I think I definitely, uh, you know, I've been thinking about trying to get out of the country next year maybe and, and attend some of these other ones uh, abroad. And uh, I would think that I would need to days, right? Where it's like, okay, it's not just a two-day thing that I'm going over there for, but I'm going to try and do some more events and, and things around there. And certainly there'd be some tourist type of stuff to experience and see. Um, but I think it'd also be pretty awesome to have, you know, more time beyond just a conference to spend with Angular community uh, out and about, you know, and doing other things or whether they're little meetups here or maybe just a little hackathon or whatnot. But um, that'd be pretty cool too. How long of a flight is it for you? Would it be for you, Justin? Well, how long is it for you? <laughs> five, five hours to that, right? <laughs> Unless I go the other way, I don't really know. Um, I'm assuming I would go from the West Coast to the East Coast and then across the pond and over. But well, yeah, next flight's now from San Francisco and, of course, from New York. So San Francisco, I think it's about... I don't want to be mistaken. I, I took the flight three months ago. I forgot how long it was. It was long, but uh, I think about 14 hours. I hope I'm not lying. Or maybe 16 hours. Okay, uh, so it's a it's, it's an hour flight from here to San Francisco from where I'm at. So about four, 15 to 17 hours. <laughs> that's nothing. Both ways, though. So that's, that's, that's one day each way, right? But. Sure. So you have to come for two weeks. And some of the speakers coming uh, to our conference are also continuing to Europe. Uh, so make a, make a trip out of it. There you go. Totally. So uh, you, I got to ask, you guys have waves there? Some surf there? If, I don't know how to answer it. I know there's a lot of windsurfing here, but you know, I would never go to the beach at 6 a.m. when it's really cold go inside the water, so I don't really understand what's going on there. <laughs> Is the water cold? <laughs> yeah. Uh, compared to anywhere else, it's not cold at all, but it gets really hot here in Israel in the summer. Uh, I got used to it being very hot, so when it's not very hot, it's cold. So are you guys, uh, are you guys giving out sleeveless shirts instead of hoodies? <laughs> well, definitely no hoodies, and if we do a conference next year in September, you're going to get sleeveless shirts. I, I just tweeted about that the other day. I'm like, I feel like every conference gives out hoodies. What about us peeps in like the hot temperatures? Because I've got like two diff- three different NGConf hoodies that I can never wear <laughs> because it's just so hot. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. We have to think about Making it different. So that, that's the kind of a thing we keep trying to do, something a bit different. And sleeve this might be a good idea. Well, so you know, the, at this year's Angie Conf, you, you could choose what you wanted. So you could have went with the soccer jersey or something like that. You could? Maybe I didn't. 
find that on the form. Yeah, I think there's an option. You could, you could choose a couple different things. But. They stole your idea. Right, more, more logistics maybe, if you have to buy maybe different things. changed it after I tweeted that. <laughs> I should give you credit for that then. Brilliant ideas are hard to find. Very cool. It certainly sounds like an awesome event. Um, the speaker lineup looks really good. Uh, it looks like there'll be some great topics. Uh, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on really quick, I was kind of thinking about the fact that it's really cool that a lot of our conferences in our industry, I mean, not just in Angular, but, but everything, um, there's just this, everybody takes the approach of we're going to record our sessions and make them available for free afterwards. Uh, so it's like everybody can get this content, even if they don't attend that conference yet, they can pay and go to that conference. And, um, I was kind of thinking like, how did you, did you make that decision? Because that's kind of what everybody's doing or was that a conscious decision? I mean, or, or are we just falling into, I mean, I think it's great for, um, all of our consumers in our community because now it's like, Hey, like I can't get there, but I'll be able to see this content. Right. Um, but it's certainly from an organizer putting on that conference, you're, you're kind of going, okay, well, there's a window where people could go. I'm not just, I'm not going to attend because I can just watch them for free later. Um, certainly it doesn't seem like a problem because all these conferences are selling out, you know, and that's, I'm sure it's the community factor of being able to be there around people for that moment is it's more, more than just the presentations. Right. Now that you say it, I didn't even consider <laughs> taking money for videos. So thank you. It's going to be paid now. <laughs> No, so right. now, now I ruined it for everybody. <laughs> Great. I'll just, I can't, well, I can't edit that out because it's live. So, uh, oh, well. It's I already good. tweeted that you said that. <laughs> uh, you know, I didn't even think about it because we had meetups that are always for free. And we used to even um, film the meetups and put that for free. And kind of makes sense because when you go to speak at a meetup, you don't get paid. So for me, a speaker is donating his time. And a lot of time you have to prepare and go there and, and, you know, I can't charge for that, especially as a meetup and as a conference, it's, it really sounds weird. I know if I would be, probably if I organize a conference without ever going to a conference, I would say I'm going to be charging for everything, especially a live stream. Like if you can have a live stream, why would you go? Why would you want to attend? Um, and I have no ex explanation why, why it works. And I think people don't go to conferences just for the talks. You, you, you kind of, you meet people, you, it's a different experience. Uh, we can sit and usually I listen to my talks here at home. I put, you know, two weeks or one, two times the speed or something and just kind of do other stuff and listen uh, with one ear. Um, I think they get something different from the conference. So putting the talks up usually just helps the people who couldn't attend. They have a track and really want to hear that or someone who meets something because they got stuck outside speaking to someone interesting. Um, it's, it's an interesting thought, but... For me, I just... Yeah, I, I definitely... For me, I just collect all my GitHub issues that I have against Angular and then I find <laughs> all the Angular people like, Rob, I'm like, hey... Can we get this fixed? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I mean, I think the collaboration um, experience that you get is a hundredfold worth, you know, even, even the whole conference. I mean, it's great to have awesome speakers and, and great presentations, but 
you know, to me, I, I really value mostly the experience where, you know, I get to talk to people about problems that I'm trying to solve. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, just showing off what you're working on. A lot of times you can't tweet pictures of what you're working on at work and but you can, you know, kind of show them at conference. <laughs> and, and then, you know, if you collaborate with open source, uh, you know, contributors, it's also nice because sometimes you get to meet them there as well. So. Yeah, it's really the conference is not just a platform for the speakers and, and the conference organizers, but it's actually a platform for the attendees as well to have that opportunity. Sorry, guys, lost my internet for a second for some unknown reason. Well, we thought we had some model figured out for you, but then we just kind of went back to talking. So you didn't miss anything. <laughs> so cool. All right. Well, I think we're getting at the end of the show. So let's uh, wrap it up uh, with some uh, picks that we, that we do normally. Um, and then we'll kind of get the finishing touches on the details for the conference. So uh, I don't know, Boris, if you have any picks for us, um, you want to share? Uh, can I do a shameless plug? Sure, absolutely. Kind of so one of the guys at work has been working for over half a year now on, on an open source tool, and we use it nonstop. Uh, it's really great. It has only one problem, the name, and the name is BDSMGS. Uh, what the thing is, is basically server mocks. So every time we have a problem that the server team is running behind and we need to mock stuff, instead of setting up Node.js, or going to some weird SaaS solutions online, uh, that thing just kind of catches any fetch request or any XML request you make on the browser and allows you inside the browser to mock it out. So you can immediately, you know, if something goes out, it's broken, no problem, I'll just change it. This is the JSON I want to return. And kind of we've been using it a lot and keep trying to get a lot more info from the community, get input and improve it. So I don't know if you have a place to put notes in the end, but I'll be happy to post a link. Yeah, uh, yeah. Throw that in our show notes, and I'll make sure it gets up online, and everybody can can get to that afterwards when you check it out. Cool. Anything else? Um, I have to think about it. So not now. Uh, I didn't, okay. I can't, didn't come prepared. That was a good one, uh, Austin. What do you have? So this week there was a lot of cool stuff that happened. Um, Angular 2 dropped yesterday, something like that. It's got a lot of new bug fixes, um, no breaking changes, and um, I think the most notable one that was included in here that I that I, I like is uh, ng upgrade AOT. So that landed as well. Um, also, TypeScript 2.1 RC dropped. Um, lots of Things that uh, I, I think are really beneficial for the TypeScript community, and the, you know, those of you that are looking at you know adding TypeScript to your stack. And, um, Visual Studio or Microsoft announced Visual Studio for Mac, but then they pulled the link back down. Um, but then I read like somewhere it's actually happening. They just kind of just jumped the gun, so that would be pretty cool. Visual Studio is a great um, development thing. No one unfollow me because I just said that, please. <laughs> um, and I don't know if anyone is watching HBO's Westworld. I am absolutely obsessed, and this week was awesome. Um, I very much recommend it. 
Wait, number seven is out? Seven? Uh, oh, episode seven? Yeah. The, the whatever one was this week, I don't remember which one it was. It's cool. Cool. I'm, I'm, I watched the first one and then I'm holding off to, to binge watch them. So um, no spoilers, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm going to so message my, you all the, all the spoilers for every episode. <laughs> I figured you might. I figured you might. Uh, okay, so I only have one pick, and uh, I'm picking the Ghost in the Shell movie. Uh, I don't know if you guys know anime fans or anything, Ghost in the Shell. Um, I love that series. I'm I, I'm scared to death, and I'm excited at the same time for the movie. So we'll see how it is. There was a trailer that dropped for it, so that's my pick. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So Angular Up uh, website, right? Angular-up.com, uh, and that's going on this Thursday. And check that thing out. <laughs> right? Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> I'm looking away. All right. So, um, Boris, thanks a lot for joining us and, and giving us a rundown on this and giving us the kind of the backstory details of what's involved in putting together a conference and all that stuff. Uh, we really look forward to the success of your conference and, and uh, it's moving forward and growing year by year. I uh, can't wait to see the, the videos that come out of it and uh, kind of hear a recap of how things went for you. Thank you very much for having me. My first time in, a, in the video, it was very cool. I have to do it a lot more. So thank you a lot. Yes, yes definitely. And uh, thank Adam for us too when you see him again. So, and good luck with the conference and uh, let us know how it goes. See you next. All right, thanks everybody. See ya. See ya.